chapter 27, an idol is where it remained. Frank never pressed a foot to the accelerator. The car was rolling along half on the shoulder at a little over seven miles per hour, a speed relatable to being pulled in a wagon. Colt and Jeff were beginning to feel like children trapped at the mercy of a cantankerous grandparent with hands at ten and two and his chin just over the wheel, staring at the road blindly while humming. Frank even applied the brakes on any and every slight decline in the road, assuredly keeping control of the wheel whenever another car or semi-truck would careen past them at what, from their snail-like pace, appeared to be intergalactic speeds unfathomable by human measurement. Frank's car was crawling like a beetle, and took up two-thirds of the road. None of the other car's horns and squealing tires seemed to affect him, though. Each time one of these spaceships would shoot by, he merely adjusted his hat and let his hand touch the volume of the radio. This is a good song, he said. He'd said this four times already. Colt and Jeff hadn't responded the previous three times either. They just slouched back in their huge seats and listened to the lyrics as they drifted out from the speakers. Frank wiggled a knob on the glowing radio and took his eyes off the road. A bus soared past them in a stream of purple and white, but in less than a second it was gone into the distance and just a tiny speck of red along the horizon. Frank didn't notice. He adjusted the volume again and looked back up at the road. This is a good song, he said again. It was a country song. Its words, sung in a pleading southern accent, struggled with torn emotion over a brief love affair's end, questioning not only the meaning of memories and the inexpressible fear of loneliness, but also the many now unfixable truths realized much after the fact, leaving their only purpose to be the words of a song now sung in humble desperation. Colt pinched at his nose. Most of the bleeding had stopped. The bridge felt abnormally loose, and he rocked it back and forth, hoping the physical pain would distract him from the words of the song which had put him on the verge of tears. Jeff sat in the back, thumbing at the yellow letter and staring out the back window at the moon. He thought about Becca, but quickly shook the image of her out of his mind. These lyrics of indefinite solitude were getting to him, too. The moon looked lonely, hanging there all by itself. It was bullshit. Hey, Frank, do you think you could get us there any quicker? I don't want to die to this song. It's making me lonely. Frank looked at Jeff in the rearview mirror. Dying is a lonely thing, he said. Can't change that. Colt pulled himself up in his seat and pulled a cigarette out of his pocket. He tossed it between his lips and turned the volume down himself. What do you know about dying, he asked. Frank turned the volume back up and shook his head at Colt disapprovingly. What do you know about it, he asked. I don't care to know much, Colt replied, but I don't need your sad-ass music making me think about it any more than I already do. Frank nodded at this slowly, 
What the hell do you boys want with Vaughn anyway? Frank asked. And don't smoke that thing in my car. There's no smoking in my car. Colt lit the cigarette and rolled down his window with a push of a button. He took a long drag and blew it right onto the dash. Jeff lit one up and back, but didn't bother to roll down a window. He rested his in an ashtray along the back door and pocketed the letter. Frank sternly shook his head. Fucking assholes. Colt flicked ash out the window and stared at a single gray cloud. Frank, have you ever been married? he asked. Yeah, Frank said, a long time ago. Is she dead now or something? Yeah, she's dead. Been dead a long time. Did you love her? I don't know. I can't remember. Really? Colt asked. It was a long time ago, Frank said, shaking his head. She left me a long time before she died. She married some other guy with more money. Did it while she was still kind of pretty. Smart move on her part. She was pretty. That much I know. I might have loved her at some point, but I didn't when she left me, and I don't now. I can understand that, Colt said, watching the cloud. Love is just like the person you give it to, Frank said. It changes with every thought and emotion. It never stays in one place. It abandons you when you need it most. Love is always more hurtful than people talk about. Some talk about how love is so important for happiness, but I sometimes think about how love is more important for sadness. Like a bullet, love creates a much bigger hole than it can ever fill. Its absence is so much stronger than its presence. You always remember its absence. I'm not sure if anything I ever felt for her was love, but I remember crystal clear the day she told me she didn't love me because I believed her, and that hurt really bad. Jeff pulled himself up between them and flicked his cigarette over the seat. Sounds to me like you did love her, Frank. Otherwise, what would you care? Frank frowned angrily and stepped on the accelerator just slightly enough to bring them above ten miles an hour, muttering under his breath. What the hell difference does it make now, he grumbled. He looked over at Colt. Did Vaughn take your woman or something, he asked. No, Colt said. She left on her own. But I guess she's with him now. What are you going to do about it, Frank asked. I don't know. I guess I just want to talk to her. Because you miss her? Or because she's with another man? Because I never imagined how lonely this world is. Just how alone people are with their thoughts. How pointless it is. My job, the beer, the road, all of it. Ever since she left, I've just felt like I have no one who knows who I am. No one who cares what I do. This giant world out here floating in space, and she made you feel all by yourself, Frank said. Yeah, Colt replied. Sounds to me like a big absence of something. Colt just looked out his window. I don't know if I'd tell her that, Frank said. That's like handing someone a loaded gun. You should know how they feel about you before you give it over. I made that mistake once. He stepped at the accelerator again, pulling them over a hill. They passed a wooden sign standing in a ditch. There was a rounded ocean wave carved into it 
that looked more like a fat, cartoonish hand. And aluminum letters were nailed along the top, spelling out, Ocean Wave Trailer Court. Colt inspected the sign as Frank pulled to a stop and put the car in park. This is where I'm going to let you out, he said. Vaughn lives in there. You can't miss his bike. It's as big as a tractor. It's parked right outside his place, very likely. If not, the place is white, but so are all the rest of them. Colt turned and looked back at Jeff. His eyes had gone far, far into the distance and looked out at nothing at all. His chest wasn't moving and his mouth hung open, holding the burned-out ash trail of an entire cigarette. His hands had stiffened into fists and rested at his sides. Jeff? Colt asked. There was no response, not a single movement. Frank turned slightly in his seat, but made no attempt to look at Jeff, more so to put a hand to Colt to keep him from shouting. Listen, he said, you gotta get that guy out of my car. He's bleeding all over my seats. Colt reached a hand back and touched at Jeff's chest. He was dead. Frank leaned forward and turned the radio off. The sound of the car as it lightly idled filled the otherwise remote silence of the empty road just outside. Colt got out and opened the back door and pulled Jeff out by the arms. He drug him along the gravel of the shoulder and propped him up on his ass with his back against one of the sign's posts and his legs flayed out in front of him. He rested his stiff hands in his lap and pulled the burned-up cigarette from his lips and adjusted him to sit upright on his own. Then he left him there, seated in the tall grass of the ditch, staring back down the road into the horizon. When Colt got back to the car, Frank had gotten out and was digging in the trunk. He spoke ominously as his hands searched inside. I'm sorry about your friend, he said. Dying is never easy. He wasn't my friend, Colt said, but I could have used his help. Frank nodded and looked up at the morning light crawling along the sky. It turned from green to a pale aquatic pink, but was still shadowed by night. Yeah, well, it's too bad, Frank said. Colt just looked up the driveway of the trailer court. Let me tell you something my brother once told me, Frank said. A man's got to take on his fears alone. No one can protect you from your own fear. If you're going to go into that trailer court and confront your wife and Vaughn, it's best you do it alone. At least then it's got some meaning to it. Otherwise, you could just turn around and walk away, leave it here to be what it already is. But you're alone now, more alone than when I found you, and I think that scares you the most. You should take on that fear. Go in there alone. He reached into the trunk and pulled out a tire iron and handed it to Colt. But take this with you just in case.